Hello again. Thanks for stopping by. This is Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. This podcast community is a place for educators to share and learn. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, your host. If you landed here by mistake, well, maybe tailor-made educator enrichment content is your cup of tea. Who knows? I once developed an odd habit of buying poetry books at airports for a while. It's a time I remember fondly. You found this series or this series found you. Who cares? Thanks to the combined resources and creativity of the Georgia Department of Education and Georgia Public Broadcasting, GPB. I'm sitting in the talk studio at GPB Studios in Atlanta, and I am not alone. I don't mean that existentially. I know that's true. I'm physically joined by two guests, and I plan to introduce them in short order. But you guys, the planner in me has been filled with anticipation of this episode. My visionary mind will be listening with rapt attention. I may actually die and go to the type A personality section of heaven because we're about to wade into the crystal clear for miles waters known as instructional planning. Yeah, baby. Today's episode is about getting the most out of instructional planning. Instructional planning is really a goals thing. It's about planning both what students will learn and how they will learn it. My guests today are co-teachers who would describe their working relationship as big sis, little bro. Mm -hmm. In a nutshell, they're very close. From Park Lane Elementary School in East Point, Georgia, in the Fulton County School District, I'm happy to have fourth grade math teacher, Ja'Cory Bernard, and K-5 through math coach, Nefertiti Singleton. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thanks, Ashley. I saw you smiling and chuckling in there. Are you excited? <laughs> Very much so. You ready to rumble? Yeah. Yes. Me and my type A babies. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your roles at Park Lane Elementary. You go first, Ja'Cory. Well, I serve as a fourth grade departmentalized math teacher, so I'm responsible for instruction of all of our fourth graders uh, as it relates to math. And Nefertiti? Hi, I am the school improvement coach for math. I service grades K through five. K through all five. Teachers. And he's in fourth. You guys are covering the full spectrum there of that elementary yeah. school. I'm sure you were relieved that we did a little bit of planning for this podcast episode. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. it's on theme as it should be. I just have to know, were both of you always the planning type? Or is that something you learned as part of the teacher job description? Ja'Cory? Um, to be very honest, I think my level of um, pl- intention when it came comes to planning grew tremendously under um, the mentorship of my coach, um, Nefertiti, um, I always had an intention of wanting to be a great planner, but it just never came to fruition. Um, but she provided a lot of good structure that showed me how to be an effective planner. And um, I've been able to implement some things that have been successful. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Nefertiti? Did you always think of yourself as a planner? Yes, I am a planner by nature. Not always a good thing, depending on what area. <laughs> That's what I was talking, talking about. about. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, when it comes to instruction, the structure and the know-how has always been my drive. So I have to take that in- intentionally. So yes, planning is definitely something I keep on my radar. Someone said the words clipboard personality when we first spoke. <laughs> Explain more. Um I don't know if you guys ever done have ever done the personality, different personality surveys that kind of tells you what type of person you are. And so I've done one before and it was said that planners, people that are very kind of driven and straightforward or need to know all the details were clipboard personalities. personalities. Mm-hmm. So Jacory, have that. you taken this personality test? You know, 
I have not taken the personality test, but I'm slowly turning into one of those. All right. <laughs> I should have brought a clipboard for this episode. And how do you guys address each other uh, just between yourselves? you got some cool nicknames going on. <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, I mean, in the building, I call her Singleton. Last name first, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And Bernard. And Bernard. You guys need jerseys, I think, with your name <laughs> Oh, that would be that. amazing. No, no. Really? Do yeah. that. Please do that. Do you remember the moment each of you decided to become an educator? yeah 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 tell Um, me about it I think for me it was um transitioning during my undergraduate journey um I went in to undergrad as a CTIMS major it was cinema television and emerging media (gasps) studies my people yes yes and um as much as I saw um the joy I had for it my passion just wasn't all the way there and I wanted to be intentional and what I pursued. And so at the same time, I was a part of an after school program. And um, that was just my baby. I was I was in love with um, nurturing students and providing that enrichment after school. And it made sense. Um, And through student teaching, I fell in love with it. Um, The students and just the community that schools create. um, It's a a powerful environment. And a teacher was born. What about you, Nefertiti? Unlike Ja'Cory, I did not know that I wanted to be a teacher. Oh. But my mom, hi, mom, she did. <laughs> she um, she used to tell me from when I was very young that I would teach to my teddy bears. And then I would teach oh. my, my, <laughs> my sister. And she just kind of always knew. It was something that came to me a little bit later. Um, in high school, I took a computer science class because I wanted to do computer science. That was until my best friend had to do all my work for me. Uh-oh. And it became very clear to me that that was not the track. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> That's how I felt about computers, too. Yeah, so um, as a student at the University of West Georgia, um, I just decided that teaching just felt right. Um, I had some conversations with other friends that were going into education, and that was my sweet spot, and it really came out to be. Well, you were making it happen at Park Lane Elementary School, both of you together, co-teaching. Your dynamic is wonderful. We're going to hear more about it shortly. Tell me each one fact about your elementary school. What's it like over there at Park Lane? Park Lane is a community school. It sits right in the middle of a neighborhood. It's small and quaint, very family-oriented, and it's just an opportunity where people get to come and thrive in the way they feel best. I feel like all stakeholders have an opportunity to do what we need to do what's best for children. And I also, the thing that inspires me the most about our school is the fact that um, nearly 100% of our students are considered low SEC, um, socioeconomic status, Um, but they're so courageous. They're so resilient. They're so brave and so bold. And um, as an educator, um, it empowers me and it inspires me to be my best teacher because they come to school every day um, with drive that you'd ask how or why, um, considering some of the circumstance. That's powerful. I'd love to meet your kids sometimes. They sound awesome. They'd love to meet you. I, I promise. Bet. Next I time bet. I have to bring them along. <laughs> well, my taskmasters, let's unite over something. I have five teacher tasks written down here before me. And I want you to rank them from your most to least favorite, just so I get a feel of what you like to do. You can write them down or type them up on your phones if that helps. And our educator listeners, you guys can self-evaluate on this, too. But here are the five tasks, and you're ranking them from most favorite to least. Ready? First is planning. (laughs) Then we have instruction, grading, classroom management, and fifth, researching new teaching methods. Ja'Cory, you first. 
Okay, so we're listing in order it, from... Most favorite to least. Okay, so I'm going to go with classroom management as most favorite. Um, then we're going to go to instruction. Um, what were methods? Researching... Researching new methods. Researching new methods. <laughs> um, grading... No, planning and then grading. Grading last? Yeah. I'm not oh, yeah. shocked by that. Why is classroom management first for you? Um... I think personally, when we have opportunity to really empower and inspire students to love the place that they learn in, um, the process of learning becomes a lot easier. And um, over the course of my first year as an educator, that was my initial goal was to make sure that my students knew they had a safe space to learn in and that the space was made and created for them. And that took some time. Um, it took some time to build that kind of environment, but it proved to be beneficial. Your turn, Efertiti. Here are the five. Rank them. Planning, instruction, grading, classroom management, or researching new teaching methods. So my first pick would be researching new methodology. Really? Yes. Okay, coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would want to say that, oh, right? Oh, yeah, Look. yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. I'm surprised by that, but I think I know what you're going to say next. Yes. So instruction is actually next. Okay. And then planning, then classroom management, and then grading. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> grading at the, end. at the end it is necessary but it is probably not your favorite i get that mm -hmm. well i want to hear more about your dynamic together in the classroom how do you two build your working relationship as teacher and coach neff you first uh jacory bernard um i i want to i guess say this because i'm gonna get a little emotional oh. but um <laughs> as a coach you always want to find people that are coachable because not everyone is and having an opportunity to work with someone who is very coachable, who is very knowledgeable as well, um, just makes for a really nice relationship. The building, the time and energy that we put into our work is just evident because he is so coachable. So having that um, dynamic is just, has made us a great team. That's the foundation. Ja'Cory, how did you build your working relationship with Nefertiti? Um, I think circumstantially we had an amazing opportunity that I don't think a lot of teachers get um, because I'm departmentalized and I only I'm the only fourth grade teacher who teaches math um, I get to spend about three hours a week um, with her straight oh, planning right. and working and preparing um, and so it's been uh, an amazing opportunity to really learn some of the things that, of course, I didn't know from experience and just exposure, um, but then also to get to try them in a um, isolated space to see if they'll work, to see if I know and understand what I'm, what I'm doing, and to make those corrections in real time. I want to know how long you guys have been at it because Jacory's new. That's yeah. the point, right? <laughs> so this is year one. This year was one? I just completed my first year, and it was it was a great year. Um, I've learned so much, and I think that's been the best part of the process is not only being able to teach, but to learn through it and to be accountable for the things that I've learned. So this is going to be year two for yeah, you, yeah. all right? And what about you, Neff? I just completed year twenty. Oh. Okay. Of education, yeah. <laughs> um, but my second year as a coach. Okay, got so it. My second full year. Well, Neff, would you take us through how your coaching process works to support the math teachers at Park Lane Elementary? The coaching process is not a one size fit all. So you definitely have to build relationships first. You have to kind of get to know what each teacher needs and wants from you. Whatever that support looks like needs to look different. 
just like you would differentiate for your students. Once once you know what that support looks like, then you can kind of decide where you can be inserted or what they need from you. At that point, you're able to um, move forward with planning effectively, having the opportunity to support them in the areas that they need so that it doesn't become something that you just give to everyone. So that piece is nice. Just being able to really understand skill and will from different teachers, making observations so that you can see maybe some of the things that they don't see mm-hmm. and then be able to dig in so that you both win. And logistically, yeah. Jacory said he spends three hours a week with you. Do you spend that much time with every math teacher? I don't. Okay. Um, (laughs) We have uh, PLCs at our school, which are professional learning communities. And uh, once a week, we have 90 minutes to have some instructional planning and collaboration time. And I just happen to be one of the um, support staff for the fourth grade team, which just made it really a good opportunity to dig in deeper with Ja'Cory because they were departmentalized. So him and I did have that That extra block of time. time. Yes. Well, let's talk about in praxis, how do you implement what you have planned in the classroom? And I want to hear as part of that, if you're always co-teaching together or trading off, tell me about how it works in practice. Um, So I think a lot of times um, it comes or it's birthed out of that um, PLC time, right? Really honing in on the different strategies and methods of implementing new um, new concepts and skills um, in a differentiated way. Um, literally, I remember um, countless times us being in what we call our mathletes room um, and me going up to the board and modeling before my coach those different strategies and skills and then being able to do it in, in the class in real time. Um, <laughs> we had a, um, uh, an experiment that we did with a walkie-talkie Um, where she would be in the back of the classroom with the mic in um, and her walkie, and I would be in the front teaching with a mic in as well so that we could provide, she could provide real-time feedback. feedback. Um, And I would, you know, kind of listen, take a (laughs) brief, brief pause and make a correction. Um, But it's real-time feedback, and it allows me to address the things that may have been um, misconceptions or things that the students may have not gotten. I can see why that would be effective because you're addressing it in the moment when it's happening. Yeah. So it's easier for you to make a correction then when you notice the behavior or the yeah. change that you need to make. Very cool. Where'd you get that idea, Neff? I actually got it from another math coach oh. that was doing it at her school. And we ran a meeting and she was speaking about it. And I was like, I want to try that. But I knew that it could come off a little intrusive for some people. Um, Because of Ja'Cory and I's relationship, I just knew that he would probably be a great (laughs) person to pilot it with. So, um, And he was. We just kind of took it and ran with it. So, And it worked really well. What sort of things might you say to Ja'Cory through his walkie-talkie? Can you give us an example? Um, Let's say if he was going over a math problem and there there was a different... um, term that could have been needed um, to maybe further explain what something meant or a different direction or another type of way to get the problem out. Um, I could just say, well, instead of saying walk around, it could be perimeter or say whatever the thing is that we were talking about. It gave kind of emphasis on, well, let's say this too. The math terms. Well, the math terms, yeah. the, you know, the way to 
I remember one specifically um, in terms of um, teaching shapes during our geometry unit. You have the opportunity to teach the shapes based on their attributes. Um, But sometimes I I may have forgotten an attribute or one, and she might have said, um, don't forget, it has parallel lines, parallel lines, perpendicular lines. um, There you go. Acute angles, (laughs) so things like that. (laughs) I love acute angles. Yeah. Uh, Nefertiti, how do you keep the, quote, teacher, Ja'Cory, in the room through instructional planning? I've told Ja'Cory before. um, (laughs) I've said that our relationship and him being a person that I support is somewhat of an of an anomaly because I never really had to keep him in the room Um, and a coach would love that whoever is going to be the person they're working with the most um, you want them to feel comfortable you want them to feel like they have a safe space and I feel like because we created that for each other we always were very attentive and very intentional about what we wanted and what we needed in the moment. So I never had to kind of figure out where he was or where things were going. And sometimes we would get off track and kind of do, you know, have side conversations about things, but it was always still kind of circled back into the work. So your answer is you don't feel like you had to keep him in the room. (laughs) He was there. He was present. He was present. Yeah. And once the planning is done, Ja'Cory, with Neff here, if she's modeling a lesson, what is your role as teacher if she's doing the modeling? Um, to really pay close attention um, and to take some kind of anecdotal notes um, just so that I can make sure that when I circle back that I'm very cognizant and aware of the um, specific things that were done during that lesson so that I can implement it as well. Um, but really just paying attention to not only her and how she delivers, but if it's in front of the students, how the students are responding. Right. right. You're looking for their real-time feedback, too, yeah, just yeah. like you want hers. Yeah. So you have a bit of a dance. You have some choreography oh, going yeah. on. <laughs> what kind of cues do you guys give each other? I'm just going to take us through an example. Let's say you've you've mapped out the curriculum. You know your plan for that day. You're teaching X. Where do you hand it off? What do you do? I think because we we worked so much together, we know just kind of nonverbal cues and yeah. gestures. Um, I people people tell me my eyes kind of tell everything, so I can <laughs> kind of got I can kind of get wide eyed yeah. about yeah. something that is good or something I would like to interject or something <laughs> I like to say, and He's you know, kind of being one of those. <laughs> you know, kind of take over coaches. I'm working on it. No, yeah, but I think to her point, it's been helpful. There have been times in which maybe there were certain pieces of feedback that I didn't quite understand in real time, and there are faces that I can make, and she'll know, and she, in her conciseness, will find a way to um, not intrusively, but um, come into the situation and kind of support to help make it make sense, not only for the students, but for me sometimes. Um, so that's been helpful. Those facial expressions help. Yeah, <laughs> Just to help like you the reach students. your teaching objective. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I like thinking about the students. Let's transition to them. How do you plan for student engagement and for different types of learners? Um, I think really it's a foundational thing. First of all, it, it took some work from the beginning to actually learn my students, right? I understood that I could not provide a unique experience to my students if I didn't know their uniqueness, Mm -hmm. right? If I didn't know their struggles, if I didn't know their strengths. Um, So it really was from the beginning finding out who they were personally and their strengths and struggles as it related to the content. And from there, we were able to make uh, differentiated groups based on strengths and weaknesses so that the instruction could support our students' individual needs and not just teach to a whole crowd of students. 
you created subgroups. Yeah. How do you plan for student engagement, Nefertiti? Because I'm not actively in the classroom like the teachers, because I'm going from class to class, um, I try to do some school-wide things that kind of help with student engagement as, as well. Um, for instance, this year, um, numeracy, in fact, Mm -hmm. um, basic facts, uh, fluency was a big push. And so um, we did a program where all of the students got to participate and they know me. I've been I've been mm -hmm. the math lady, the, <laughs> the, math <laughs> the cheerleader, lady. the coach, you know, so I get them kind of involved with other things from me not being directly in the class with them, but being able to have platforms in which they can see me in with them doing the work. So it just kind of helps for a good time for competition, mm -hmm. engagement yeah. with everyone so that we can kind of get some grade level, you know, competition going on. But it gives an opportunity. For oh, them to so see you it. use competition as a means to engage your students all the time while teaching them. <laughs> can you give me an example? Um, so, for example, in class, we use different um, softwares or online programs like quizzes to implement games and challenges. And oh, my goodness, they love, that. They love it. They love it. They melt. Uh, I, I, I love to see it. I really do. Because it makes learning come alive to them. And I just watch them. And sometimes I laugh to myself because I'm like, <laughs> they're having so much fun right there. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even know they're learning. They don't. They're just engaged. Yes. Isn't that isn't that the goal of it the is. best teachers is. is just to, to carry them along with you? Well, how do you, this is going to be your favorite, Neff, because you said <laughs> at the beginning that this is your favorite teacher task. But how do you stay current on effective research-based mathematics teaching practices. You first, Nefertiti. I think it's very important as a coach or someone in support of other people that you know what you're doing, what you're talking about. Um, I have taken pride in building my professional learning network so that I'm able to kind of stay in the know with current trends in education, not just math, but just around the, the bend so that we can understand how and what we do. If I don't know, I can't fully support my teachers. So I may go outside of the district and talk to other math support people. I attend conferences. I like to have just casual, casual conversations with other coaches so that we can just kind of stay abreast of what's really going on so that I can best support the people that need me. How do you stay abreast, Ja'Cory? During my first year, um, readjusting to all that teaching really is. And um, it requires. <laughs> yes, and it requires. I have relied heavily um, upon my coach, um, and she has provided me with so many different strategies and um, methods to deliver effective uh, content, and it's been, it's been great. It's been really great. I love to hear that. In your expert opinions, what does it take? to create a workable climate for all, that's students, teachers, coach, administrators. What is your feedback? Um, if I could say it in one word right now, I'm going to say compassion. Um, it, it sounds so simplistic, but when we take the time to actually understand where our students are and, and where the staff and faculty in the building are at that current moment, it helps us to have a little bit more grace, right? It, it is very challenging in most schools and in most school environments um, when you're dealing with so many different personalities and so many different circumstances and situations. Um, but I often remember that I myself go through things that, you know, can sometimes be discouraging and overwhelming. And so if I can um, be empathetic with my students and, and my colleagues, that helps me to ensure that that community is being created and it's it's a safe space. What about you, Nefertiti? <laughs> I would what does say, it take? I would say trust. Oh. Definitely trust. Um, trusting the process, 
trusting the people in the work with you, trusting the support. Um, all stakeholders need an opportunity to feel like they can give trust or, or can be trusted. And so when building relationships, that's the first thing. You kind of got to build out, take down walls for people that may not feel, you know, so approachable or people that may not know or want to know. And sometimes that's not easy. So I think building the relationships and then establishing trust is definitely a part of it. For all the players, from the administrators down yeah. to the students yes. receiving the instruction. And how do they take you being in the class when he's teaching? What do they think of it? <laughs> um, I... I think they like it. Um, I'm, I try to come in and do different things to get them kind of riled up and get them, you know, interested about math and learning particularly. Um, but we also are very um, honest and open with each other. So if Ja'Cory is out for whatever reason yeah. or any teacher um, in the building, I we're there to support as coaches. So um, I don't want them to not know. So if somebody is out or something happened, then I'm going to insert myself and come in and I'm going to teach and I'm, we're going to keep the ball rolling because we don't have any time to waste. And yeah. to your point of trust, they've seen mm -hmm. you. They know your yep. methods. Yep. They trust you. <laughs> You've been around. Yes. That's a really good approach. And let's enrich teachers' toolboxes. Can each of you share one of your best practices for your role as coach and teacher that will help our teachers out there, you know, get the most out of their instructional planning? Um, I think gamifying um, the instruction helps tremendously. I, when I think about how students um, entertain themselves or, or, or find fun outside of school, oftentimes it's through games, right? It's through that kind of entertainment. And so being able to bring that into the classroom and make it a part of the learning, um, it's, it's bridging the gap, right? So it's not this separate world of dimension, but kind of bring them them, bringing them together so that it's effective and it's fun. And I think what it does is it transforms the environment. We're sometimes used to having students sit behind desks um, or on a carpet and they pay attention and they, you know, do what they're asked to do. But when you kind of switch it up, it becomes a game. It becomes mm -hmm. something fun. Um, and that gives them some type of spontaneity. That's, that was my goal this year, to have spontaneity in the classroom so that every day they came in, it was something different, another experience. They were looking like, what are you, you going to do today? What are we doing today? So it wasn't a daunting task of coming to school, but more so a... Um, an exciting joy of something new. Right. Spontaneity. Some might think that that's at odds with planning. There, there's this quote I love. I adore spontaneity as long as it's carefully planned. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you're doing it. You're carefully planning the excitement for them. Yeah, yeah. As long as, and that's the work we've done, when you're very confident on the material and how to deliver it in different ways, then you can kind of bend it and twist it to make it make sense. He does well. That And healthy competition doesn't mean that you're ne necessarily going against someone sure. else. Right. It can be you against you. Yeah. You know, where we started, where we're ending, this is where we are now. So I, I like that because a lot of the competition comes off personalized so they don't have to feel like oh, they're yeah. up against someone else. Exactly. And what is one of your best practices as coach for instructional planning? Building safe practice. As a coach, as a teacher, having an opportunity to rehearse in front of someone because you get up in front of students sometimes you think you have it together and mm -hmm. it just may not be <laughs> pieces may fall apart there may be gaps so just building in time for safe practice whether it's with a coach whether it's with another teammate um just having an opportunity to have a dress rehearsal okay. especially for something you don't know or haven't done yet so you actually do a walkthrough before you go and implement that part that makes a lot of sense i like it Let's end with this, you two. What are you planning for in Ja'Cory's classroom right now? 
Oh, planning for, I guess, more more of what we're doing now, more effective instruction, more planning, more opportunities to grow and learn um, with the students, with each other, um, just opportunities to continue the learning. I think because there's no end. You know, we don't reach a destination and say, okay, we've got it. It's done. You know, we just keep going. And so that part is just nice to continue to think about what else can we do? What can we do different? What can we now put on a try on for size? That's right. You're two for you, Ja'Cory. Yeah. What are you planning for? Um, It's been the same for a long time for me. Um, My passion is in people. Um, And so having an environment where the kids actually want to be, um, and it's comfortable. It's it's something they look forward to. Um, if if I can make that um, the reality for 100 percent of my kids, then the educating comes easy um, because they're sitting pencils ready, eager and excited to learn. Thank you, Nefertiti Singleton and Ja'Cory Bernard. Oh, Appreciate you being here. May your plans prevail. Yes. <laughs> and you told me Park Lane Elementary has a core theme this year, linking the right elements for success. And I would consider the two of you linked right elements. Aww, Aww, thank you. you go tell your <laughs> principal that. I'm Ashley Mingwasser. It's always a pleasure planning and presenting these episodes for you. We'll end with our core theme on this podcast. You're a great teacher. Talk next week. Bye-bye. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant.